right, is everyone ready to make stuff up? I'm I mean, ready. For the podcast? Go. All right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm Ken. And welcome to the 1966 Academy Awards. This is If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film from each year of the Academy Awards. Uh, we take a look at what it won for, as well as a couple other categories, to get a good look at the filmmaking experience. And unfortunately... Wait, wait and, we, and we do this random selection. We do it randomly. We which, don't choose the one which, that we want like Which means best. we dodged some unfortunate movies this year. What do you mean we dodged some that were... That were good. Could be way that better we, than this one. That were good. In fact, in well, a slight break from tradition... Should we tell people what we watched first? No, I would like to give them an example of what we could have watched. <laughs> okay. Uh, because this year, we've discussed at length... The fact that Doctor Zhivago exists was that this year. That was nineteen. That was this year. Mm. We could have watched Doctor. We could Zhivago. have watched Doctor Zhivago. Yeah. We could have we? watched The Sound of Music. Why didn't we? Which one best picture? <laughs> oh. In fact, let me give you some other movies that we could have watched this year. Oh. If it hadn't been random. Yeah. Well, oh. let's see. Cat, Cat by You was this year. Here's one that I don't know if it actually won any awards, but let me just... Othello. What? With Laurence Olivier. What? Was this year. Why this was watch... a good year for movies. Why couldn't we watch one of those? <laughs> I'm whining now. She is whining because oh. instead of... Oh, by the way, you know what's really interesting? What other good movie could we have watched? I uh, No, I was saying that... I. Oh. Uh, no song from The Sound of Music was nominated for Best Song. Because Lara's theme from Dr. Zhivago. Uh, also not on the list. No way. Uh, a song from The Sandpiper won. Oh, I knew that The too. Ballad of Cat Bayou. Uh, What's New Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> nominated, whoa, whoa. did not win. The Great Race won Best Sound Effects. Ship of Fools. We could have watched that. More Dr. Zhivago, more Dr. Zhivago. Thunderball got best special effects. We could have watched that. But no, we watched a movie called Darling. Much to our dismay. Much to our dismay, because as proud listeners of this podcast, we appreciate your patronship. And also, you'll remember that we've watched Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> I'm going to be making allusions to that movie oh, a few more times before we stop recording. So... Back to our usual routine of who the heck is in Darling and who wrote it and what is it about. This is an original screenplay, which, honestly, for what we've watched, kind of rare. There have been a lot of adapted screenplays. It was nominated for five Academy Awards and won three. And we know why. We know why. And honestly, a, a few of them make sense. Yeah. Let's start off with Julie Christie. A.K.A. the lead actress mm -hmm. and winner of Academy Award for Best Actress for this role, beating out Julie Andrews for Sound of Music. <laughs> really? Yep, she beat out Sound of really? Music for Best Actress. That's because the shocked look that none of you can see because oh, this is an gosh. audio podcast will let you know our opinion on this film. <laughs> I, I'm rubbing my eyes and my whole face. Well. I think if you if you look at it from the standpoint of the Academy Awards are, uh, you know, the nominations and the voting are from people who are in the Academy. So yeah. therefore, this is an artist's pick. And then this is definitely more of an art film than a family film like Sound of Music. Yeah. I, 
we will be talking about the hoity-toity art critic nature of this later when we start when we avoid discussing the plot of this film in great length. Right. There was a plot? There was. That's what we shall be discussing, in fact. <laughs> so, her breakout role was in Billy Liar in 1963. She got international attention for this movie and Dr. Zhivago, which right. she was also in. She was in a few other movies that we may have heard of, like Fahrenheit 451 next year. Mm-hmm. She got an Oscar nomination for Mrs. Miller in 1971. She was then, uh, from the she kind of fell out of uh, being in movies in the 80s. However, in 2004, she was in two films. Not big roles. Yeah. But she was in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, dear. As a pub owner. Okay. And she played a side role in Troy, which was a very, very big action-y movie about, you know, the Trojan War. Did her... Her agent, she must have decided that she needed some cash, so her agent got her a couple of Must jobs. have. Yeah, no, Troy's got Brad Pitt and Orlando Bloom in it. <laughs> Definitely not the kind of movie I would have expected. She's, de- I mean, she's not a bad actress. Nah. Oh, ba- based on seeing yeah. one of her movies and one of Audrey Hepburn movies, I think she's a better actress than Audrey Hepburn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, back to, we're going to be talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's a lot. Oh, golly. Because their plots are fairly similar. Fairly similar. I mm-hmm. Also in this movie, I was Mr. Lawrence Harvey, who was Miles? That was his name, right? Boy, yeah. I, all of these yeah. guys are completely forgettable. I When I first saw his picture on Wikipedia, I said he looked like a James Bond grunt. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, he was? No, he wasn't, but oh. he definitely looks like it. He died of cancer in 1973. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was in The Manchurian Candidate, so oh. kind of a big deal there. That was a, That's a movie people have heard of. Uh, the more main male character in the movie is Dick Bogard. That was Robert Dirk. in this movie. Is Dick or Dirk? Uh, Dirk? Dirk, you are Dirk. correct. Dirk. My apologies, I read too quickly. Uh, he has been in a fair number of things. It was this, Death in Venice, Night Porter, Bridge Too Far. I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Successful Doctor film series, but not Doctor Who. No, that would be something no. different. <laughs> Interesting. Who's the last Oh, yeah, that's right. Jose Luis de Villalonga y Cabeza de Vaca, oh, Ninth yeah. Marquis of Castelbell. <laughs> because... In case we had not made enough allusions to Breakfast at Tiffany's, he was in that movie too, (laughs) with essentially the same role. Yeah. In that he was a rich man from another country who wished to marry the beautiful, possibly airheaded socialite in order to have her as a trophy wife. Or not socialite. Not socialite. In any case, Mm -hmm. uh, he is... Was actual nobility, though in 1931, Spain's Second Republic, having some kind of civil war, made his nobility uh, kind of in question. (laughs) And because I thought we were going to need more things to talk about. You looked up? No, no, no. And because there is no way we are ever going to discuss this on the podcast, so I want to bring this up at one point. He is not the most noble person to appear in film because they wanted to be in film. 
dad do you know who it is? The most noble person. To appear in film because they wanted to be in film. Because they wanted to be in film. And I'm asking dad for a very specific reason. Because dad's the Star Trek fan. I'm trying to visualize. Do you know who this guy is? I'm showing him a picture on my phone. I didn't get to uh, see it. No. Well, no. you. I'm certain you don't know who he is. And grandpa doesn't because he doesn't <laughs> oh, know he's Star in Trek. Oh, he's in a more recent Star Trek. He was in Star Trek Voyager in the oh, background boy. scene talking to one of the other guys. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, he was the Prince of Jordan. Oh, really? He is currently the King of Jordan. Okay. Wow. And he was wanted to show up and visit the set, and they're like, sweet, the Prince of Jordan is coming. Stick some sideburns on him and put him in and the background. put a uniform on. <laughs> All right. He is... Hurry for the king. Yeah, no, he had a cool background part, because he I was a huge Star Trek nerd. That's funny. And Do you we... see, this is why people should listen to our podcast. Right. Yeah. Because that's important. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, needed, I needed to waste some time so we didn't have to talk about this movie so much. We did. We needed a lot of like adult beverages for this film. Correct. This was definitely yeah. It felt stuff. like an art film. It felt like you. I it, like this film about as much as most of the Woody Allen films I've watched. Yeah, it's this, just not my style. It was there was social <laughs> commentary, but because it's not 1965 anymore, it's really hard. Well, I was not. I was six, so. I didn't know what was yeah. going on socially, politically at that time. And it, this is like mod swinger hip <clears throat> lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to, because we are discussing the score, I am mm-hmm. going to look up the guy who uh, did the score. He is also uh, commander of the British Empire. John Dankworth, English jazz composer, saxophonist, clarinetist, and writer of film scores. There was one time in the film that I thought was a really interesting. There was something... Uh, they were doing the one of the one of them fancy. I don't know the name of the song. It was uh, uh, March from uh, March from Three Oranges. That one, no. The, oh, yeah, was, if that was in there, it was I very familiar. It, even if it was disguised, yeah. but I was out in the kitchen. A bit, so. Yeah, and then it changed from a sort of a sounding like a classical record recording to, to jazz to saxophone, to, to saxophone yeah. solo. Yeah. And that yeah. one, that part was good overall. Eh, eh, we'll get to the I eh. mm-hmm. uh, when they went to France. It was, they definitely had France music. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, I, I'll, I'll always listen to Santa Lucia. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. right, yeah, right. I and they had a baguette, so we definitely yeah. knew we were in France. No, we we covered all of the proper French things. I, you know, there was reference to the Avengers. Yeah, he did music for the Avengers he TV did. series. Yep. Uh, for those of you who are not from England or born in the 60s, uh, The Avengers was a crime drama TV show that ran for basically the entirety of the 1960s. Yeah. Where... Did you guys watch it when you were growing up? The, I don't the recall. The reason it was called The Avengers is because it wasn't necessarily the police solving crimes. It was the police avenging people. Like mm-hmm. it, when people, you know, they were they were killed. It wasn't that you were finding their killers; you were avenging their deaths. Yeah, and that's how it was put. And the show changed tones as mm-hmm. people left and joined the show. But I mean, eight years is a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. In any case, <laughs> <sighs> we don't want to talk about this film. We want to just forget it. And All right. Do well, something else. Um, are we? Are we? Are we? Uh, remember, <laughs> I asked you. I think. <laughs> Was this part of a 
or was it a parody on, on some happening? And I was particularly thinking of the fall of the British government of John Profumo. Mm. Oh. Because, because this lady was certainly portraying a hormonal, imbalanced young lady. All right. Grandpa has surprised me like, with this, but like, I quickly Googled it. Well, like the... <laughs> well, like the... Because he was brought down, the Profumo scandal. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Embarrassed the queen. Mm-hmm. Etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there may have been influence, and it definitely would have made at the time, because that was 1961. Yeah. You know, and in 60... Well, it started in 61, and 63 was when... Uh, he said, no, I didn't. And then a few weeks later, people said, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it definitely would have been fresh in people's minds. Mm-hmm. I think pro- probably not, but definitely an influence on the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was more a parody of culture in Britain as a whole. Right. Well, the At opening the scene parts. of them putting up a new billboard poster over papering over a world relief poster yeah in order to put up a pretty lady mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was pretty clear i had two talking points about film okay, this is gonna be more on films in general mm-hmm. than necessarily just this one though part of it is going to be the allusions to breakfast at tiffany's which mm-hmm. i said we were going to talk about and we are because it's a very similar film mm-hmm. it's got a pretty lady on the front and the pretty lady does whatever she wants and consequences seem to bounce off of her and at the end of the film it seems like nothing has really happened she she hasn't learned anything she's not learned anything she hasn't progressed maybe she's got fancier clothes but that's it yeah and she's sad about she's sad about the fact that consequences are starting to catch up to her but they don't affect her enough to make her change her habits she can't she can't help it yeah she can't Mm -hmm. help it right and I do think this is a better movie than that one. I do think that there was more there was more to her character because she seemed to be more in control of where she was going. Whereas Audrey Hepburn's character seemed more leaf on the wind where people would be like, there's a party now. And she'd go, okay, a party. Yeah. It was just an excuse to change clothes. Yeah. Whereas this one, she did seem more in control of, ah, I'm going to go with that man today mm-hmm. and tomorrow that one yeah so to that end slightly better however (laughs) i gave mom a slight spoiler because she technically knows what i'm going to be talking about though i'm certain she doesn't remember go that's fine i'm old (laughs) i was thinking about why on earth is does this movie so bleh and why was breakfast at tiffany so bleh and some of the other movies that we've watched for this podcast and I thought back to, you remember that film festival we went to when I was going to art school? Like five years ago? And we went... And we went and we watched one movie, and it was about a guy who was diagnosed with cancer, and he was going to do all of the things on his bucket list, basically. It wasn't necessarily called Bucket List or anything. And I do not remember the name of this movie, because it was some independent project, and it stunk to high heaven. And the reason why it stunk is because it was a lot of little stories with no good overall plot. I remember that the and it, the, the way they would put the stories together in that film. He was always running down the street. And it, and it was choppy. Yeah. And, and I remember you and I sitting there thinking, what? But the reason why I thought of that is because it didn't have 
an overall plot. And that's what this movie doesn't have. And that's what Breakfast at Tiffany's didn't have. Is it's a movie about a character, but the character's not going anywhere. Right. There was no development. There, there was some there character was some, development to her, but there was not a but there progression. Was a story. We don't necessarily per need, se. like, okay, it's been 15 minutes. We need to have some kind of a crisis <laughs> that by the end of the film is resolved. But there needs to be somewhere that the character is going. And every good movie has one of those. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's one person. Like, even... Uh, like. Ordinarily, you think of these to be like the action movies. They're like, okay, you know, Harry Potter has to defeat Voldemort. Luke Skywalker has to defeat Darth Vader. Anakin Skywalker has to defeat poor computer graphics. Uh, <laughs> but even in, like, I uh, like uh, you love Lion in Winter, right? I do like Lion in Winter. Cool. What's the main plot of that movie? The main plot of it? Oh. As in, what's the, what's the overall story of that movie? There's no one. It's Christmas. It's just. It's just that it is Christmas. No, no. It's that the queen gets out of prison for Christmas. She's coming home, and they're fighting about who gets to be king next. Yeah. See, right. one story mm-hmm. that the entire movie can revolve right. around. Mm-hmm. This movie did not have one story to revolve around, and so what it turned into is lots of little stories that, in themselves, had very small character development. But it didn't lead to anything. No, it made us look at our watches and see how much left of this movie do we have to endure. Ah, Instead of one tall glass of milk, we had eight glasses of milk with like an inch in the bottom. I wonder. I wonder if uh, I agree with I agree with your premise, central. But I wonder if in this case they weren't trying to show us what happened when uh, we come like a bird, almost totally dominated by our hormones or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can't help what happened. It just happened time after time. Sometimes you can go through probably an entire life uh, story without anything really important happening. The one I mentioned about the fulfillment affair, that was a biggie. Uh, not everybody can get involved in something like that. But there was, a, there was a case just like this one where the young lady simply could not stop. And once I, got, once I began to think about that, that's when I woke up and began to watch it. Mm-hmm. And sure as world, there she ran off. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that is the plot. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's worth anything. But surely this character, and absolutely, I can't remember those. There were two girls involved on the profile. I can't think of the other names. I don't know either. But uh, they're not. It wasn't well, Monica Lewinsky. No. Yeah. So it, so no. it doesn't bug Grandpa. Christine Keeler That's was it. definitely one of them. Yeah. And That's I her. don't see another one. That's right. No, they're the named Diana somebody. Else. Well, that's awfully Christine, convenient. Christine was the number one character. Yeah. yeah. That would be really cute. Uh, now, while I agree with that, I think that then the film suffers from not having a moral kind of well, to the ending of... Because yeah. she does all of her philandering, and at the end of the film, she's married to a prince. And that doesn't seem like... She has received just comeuppance for her wanton lifestyle. Yeah, and tr- and and becoming Catholic and yeah. everything. Where yeah. I I was thinking about, and I think this is partially the kind of movie I'd like to watch. Not necessarily the best way to write this kind of movie, but mm-hmm. this definitely seems like a movie where you have someone that starts low, and the overall plot is I want to be happy. 
And at the, as the film starts, you think happiness is being fashionable and being with all the fancy people. And as the film goes, and she's going up and up, and she's meeting the fancy people, and she's going to her weird sex parties, and looking government at... Government people. Government people looking playmakers. at art on the wall where people are using the longest words humanly possible to describe it, <laughs> and speaking with their nose so far in the air that they have to put a microphone behind them to pick up their voice. <laughs> And all through that, she's always got a little piece of home. And the higher she goes, the more she relies on that to keep herself grounded because otherwise she'd go flying off. And then at one point she goes flying too, she loses that bit and she goes flying too far. And she realizes that all of this craziness isn't what's making me happy. What's making me happy is home. And she tries to go home. And I think that would be a movie with a fairly similar moral plot, but actually have a single coherent story. But well, that we, didn't... Keep, we keep dancing around this thing. What is it that won at three Oscars? What is it that won at three Oscars? Well, <laughs> yeah, Grandpa, keeping us on pace here. Excellent. So <laughs> that's why we pay him the big bucks. This is this is why we keep him. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> so the one for which like it was selected that. for our list. Is best costume design. Those were some mod costumes. This they were very fashionable costumes for 1965. No argument with that. No okay. argument there. Uh, it of and course and her hairstyling. It was thankfully in black and white, which means it did not have to compete with other big names. I uh, I believe we like the curtains and the sound of music. Yes, that would have taken from from. Whatever, well, Doctor Zhivago won costume color. design for color. It did, and sound and of music was, was nominated. Yeah. yeah. I uh, the other ones that it that in the black and white category, I think this is when the black and white category was starting to get a little lean. Uh-huh. Not and there were still enough films that it could be a category, but but, but it's petering out. Definitely if you look at the color list versus the black and white list, the color list is just a pile of good movies. It's yeah. everything we recognize. Like best art direction color, Dr. Zhivago. Agony in the Ecstasy, yeah. Greatest Story Ever Told, yeah. Inside Daisy Clover, Sound of Music. Yeah. Art Direction, Black and White, Ship of Fools, King Rat, A Patch of Blue, The Slender Thread, The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. I have not heard of any of those movies. I've heard of The Spy. No, well, King Rat, that's, that's yeah. part of a... I, I didn't know there was a movie of it. There, in fact, oh. is. Uh, there's a, the, the author, James Clavell, I think, uh, wrote a series hmm. of books on Hmm. The film was adapted from the James Clavell's novel, King Rat. Yeah. See, we, we give Grandpa another yeah. point. All right. So it definitely won for that, and for that we are not arguing. Uh, the next thing we are looking at is Best Original Score, and we already kind of gave it a... Meh. Meh. Uh, if we're looking at original scores, because again, we get to skip Sound of Music for being an adaptation... <laughs> uh, Dr. Zhivago won for that one again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agony and the Ex- Ecstasy, Greatest Story Ever Told, Patch of Blue, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which I've not heard of. But what was that? The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Spell it, please. C H E R B O U R G. Oh, Cherbourg. Cherbourg, sorry. Okay. Well, not. romantic Still, drama film. Don't know. Oh, wow. Must that be, would ex- must be a World War II deal. I uh, well, no, necess- it was not necessarily. It was in fact French. It is French. Yeah. yeah, and a reason why the Academy would like it. The entire m- movie is sung recitative. 
Recitative. Recitative. Oh, okay. As, as like Wait. operas and stage musicals, yeah. the entire movie is sung. Huh. Well, when was it? When, when was it? 1965. So... Too modern. 20th century. So yeah. It'll be boring. Definitely nothing on this list where we'd go, well, we probably should put this acceptable movie in there. No. This one was not winning any awards for no, that. No, no, no. Uh, next one. Best film... No, not that one. Best sound recording. No. And for this one, I will point specifically to a scene about two-thirds of the way through where all of a sudden the sound in the entire scene sounded like it was through a radio with one crappy speaker a and the volume radio. turned up too high. Yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. This one was not just not well... It, it wasn't well crafted. It wasn't well crafted and also wasn't even like competently crafted in places. Mm-hmm. I like that one strange scene from a from an editing film editing standpoint. Yeah, where she just stopped, freeze framed for a second, froze. Yeah, that was also that looked like it was a huge mistake. Unsurprisingly, best sound went to the sound of music for the sounds of music, presumably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Doctor Zhivago also nominated. Unsurprisingly, Mm -hmm. Shenandoah also nominated. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I want a James Stewart in it. See what I'm saying. Uh, and the, we could have watched yep. so many other films. Yep. And the mm. last one here, and this one is going to be tricky because I don't think this one qualifies. Best Supporting Actress. Was there a supporting actress in this film? Not, not really. Not noteworthy. That's for sure. Not, not really. Not anybody that no, really stood out. No, there was just, out. you know, women at sex parties and... There was not a main second woman in this film. There were other women, Mm-mm. but no. there just wasn't another person Not there. a recurring person. So, unfor- it's not the first time we've had a movie that just didn't, straight didn't qualify. Wasn't there one where it was all guys and we were supposed mm-hmm. to look at best actress? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, and then there was like two nuns. Yeah, there's two nuns at the in end. In a Red Cross mobile. Oh, HUD. Oh yeah, yeah. it was also that way. I <laughs> uh, so except that had Patricia. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've managed to talk more about this one than I thought we would, mostly yeah, by avoiding too. talking about it. Don't watch it. Don't need to. This, Don't. No, no, this one we couldn't find this at the library, so we paid Amazon real dollars for this movie. It I did. wouldn't recommend it. Probably wouldn't do that again. Uh, 1965 has better movies to watch. Go watch Sound of Music. Go watch Doctor Zhivago. Go watch The Agony and the Ecstasy. Go watch Thunderball. Something. I watch all the James Bond movies. That's another podcast you can do. If We're not going to do that one, but that's a podcast you can do. <laughs> I Granted, a lot of other people are doing that, so maybe just watch all the James Bond movies. Just do that. <laughs> There's an interesting fact of the Academy Awards. This was the first year it was the awards show was filmed in color, broadcast in color. I thought that was interesting. I have a note on my uh, list of movies for when they stop having categories for black and white movies. Oh, okay. It's longer than you think. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was definitely something. I don't regret watching it because it is some. It is good to you know have the experience. I do think we would have been more entertained with several of the other options, and I do kind of regret that that's another James Bond movie that goes slipping by, and soon we're going to run out of James Bond movies and not have made Mom watch any of them. Although, Dr. Zhivago, if I recall, is extraordinarily long. We would have had to start well into the afternoon. Yeah. No, I definitely was not paying attention until 6 o'clock, and we do not have the time for that movie. All right. 
We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us usually in the direction of quality filmmaking. Hey, there were parts of this movie that were good. <laughs> it won won awards for good reasons. It started out well, I didn't yeah. think, but... <laughs> quality costume making. That was good. All right. Okay, bye. <laughs>